Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything happening in the Division I college tennis world, of course. Here on Wednesdays, we break down the Division I men's scene, and what a week two we were treated to as college tennis fans. Here's just some of the storylines that emerged from the past week of play. Storyline number one, who's the number one team in the country right now? It's an open question. Certainly, Virginia seemed to close the page on that question for now when they went to Austin earned a 4-3 victory without Inyaki Montez over number three, Texas. But then, did you all see what happened on Sunday? South Carolina, 4-3 winners over the Cavaliers in Charlottesville. I mean, again, you have those two headline results right away. If that's not enough, we've got some other good ones. Tennessee earning a couple of top 20 victories in wins over Michigan, over Wake Forest. You had Columbia. Dare I say the Lions earned their first signature victory as a group with a victory 6-1 over UNC. You had a weird week for Harvard. You had a 4-3 Kentucky-Illinois thriller. You had Duke in a couple of week 2-4-3 battles. We got lots of results to talk about, and we haven't even hit the ITA kickoff weekend, which of course approaches in less than one week. Thankfully, I've got this man joining me tonight to help break everything down from week number two and get you all excited for ITA kickoff weekend preview, which on the men's side, of course, is coming this Thursday. Of course, you all know this co-host as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula Predictions, never far from the listed UTRA me lean Michigan Wolverine and a man we almost lost in a snowstorm on Thursday in Knoxville. Thankfully, he is here today to join us as he will be every week throughout the 2024 season. It's the professor, Chris Halioris, joining me once again. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You got to enjoy your first in-person match experience of the year. I imagine it was thrilling, almost as thrilling as your drive home. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, well, the match lasted uh, a much shorter time than the two-day drive home. That's <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, I all I could say in the end is, boy, Gav could have saved me a lot uh, without extending that third set, and I could have got out an hour earlier and maybe beat the, <laughs> beat the ice on the highway that shut it down. But, uh, no, nah, it was, I mean, 
always the first match of the year in person, live tennis, wherever you happen to go for that is you just sort of get that, oh, the juices are flowing and we're back kind of thing. And it was wonderful to see live college tennis again. See, you went glass half empty. I'm going to go glass half full. If Johannes Monday would have won more quickly, then maybe actually, Chris, you would have made it home faster. So maybe it's his <laughs> fault and not Gavin Young's. You got to go with the glass half full. I don't know, man. Here, Those Chris. Gavin reflexes on the match point say <laughs> Oh, the passing shots again. That match was fabulous. Anyone who was in person or got to tune into the stream of UVA Texas, the drama in that one third set decider going to Kiefer. He's in a deciding match the very next uh, day or two days later for Virginia against South Carolina. However many days it was, he's facing a freshman. Now he's on the losing end of that one. Like, again, Memphis loses, uh, beats Harvard, but then Harvard beats NC State. We got plenty to discuss on today's show. So, again, what we want to do here today is break down all of the results in case you missed anything from a busy week in the college tennis world. I do have two quick announcements for all of you listeners, though, all of you college tennis fans, before we continue on with our show. Announcement number one, as I alluded to earlier, Chris Hallioris and I will be back on Thursday to preview all 15 of the regionals we will see on the ceremonial symbolic start to every college tennis season, the ITA kickoff weekend. So we're not talking lineups today. We're not talking rankings today. We're going to save those topics for that show. Again, hopefully we're going to do that live on YouTube, 9 p.m. Eastern time Thursday, assuming super producer Daniel Westoff is still alive at that point. He is hard at work preparing for our kickoff weekend coverage, which in case you haven't heard, is going to be across two channels. We'll have Saturday, Sunday coverage on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel of all things Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan and USC, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, multiple broadcasts available for you on ESPN+. Plus. They'll cover all of our teams in SEC, ACC, or Big 12 conferences. We've got 20 of the 30 host schools, Chris, signed up for our coverage. And I'm going to quote our dear friend, the great John J. Parsons, who offered me this comment when we discussed this yesterday, I thought very aptly, Chris, we have been at the forefront of people hollering to put college tennis on a platform it deserves, not just a YouTube channel, but obviously to be on ESPN Plus, it's a big thing. Personally, it's fantastic in my opinion. I know this is self-aggrandizing. I don't mean it in that sense, I promise, but it's great for the sport to just be on that platform moving forward. Obviously, a relationship between the NCAA ESPN as it relates to non-revenue sports is only going to grow in the future to establish that presence now, a great thing. But here's the follow-up. Do you want ESPN to continue to invest in this sport? You got to go watch. And in a month where all of you have ESPN Plus accounts because you're all watching the Australian Open, this is the wise words of John J. Parsons. Look, you can mute me. You don't have to listen to my commentary. You don't have to listen to our other commentary. You don't have to listen to whoever's on the YouTube uh, channel. But turn the broadcasts on. Like, boost those viewership numbers, Chris Hallioris. Make a convincing case to ESPN that we belong on this network. Those were his words. I stick by them here to start today's show. Any thoughts on announcement one? No, I mean, great words. I can only say that I'm clearly the failure in this department because (laughs) unbeknownst to me, on the morning of my snow in in Knoxville, I decide, well, heck, I might as well watch Ben Shelton play and (laughs) I don't subscribe to ESPN Plus. I, of course, I say this quietly. I use. I quack that out. Don't worry. 
and it expired. I couldn't. Oh. To make it worse, the shame of all shames, I did not get to watch Nuno Dimitrov. Really? I had to watch oh. scores because I couldn't watch Chris, the match. <laughs> do I ever not respond to you when you call or text? <laughs> I know. I know. All right. Here's so, what I'll say. I'll have Westoff quack this out. But yeah, no. I mean, obviously, everybody, everybody, for the most part, especially now, even the people that bought it for a month or whatever, right? Because you did get the Australian Open. You you can go and watch and absolutely pull it up this week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, there's a, a few Friday schools. I think only one, I think, goes to Monday at Georgia. But uh, yeah, tons of college action this weekend. Tune in, watch, get those numbers up, and uh, and let's get ESPN committing to broadcast more college tennis. I'm not going to get them all right off the top of my head, but the Michigan men and women, the Ohio State men and women, the Tennessee men and women, the Texas men and women, the Duke men and women, USC on both sides, the USC men, the South Carolina men. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not going to get all the schools now. We can just stop with that list. That's 12 really compelling schools right off the top who are all going to be on our broadcast, So across our broadcast. So, yes, tune in Friday, Saturday. Oh, the Georgia men and women. That's Georgia, two more yep. because we have Monday coverage. So, again, make sure you're tuning in. Help us boost those numbers. That's announcement one. Announcement two here at the top. And then I swear we're going to get to the college tennis. And by the way, I'm going to cut Chris off at the hour mark of this show because I do have some Australian Open coverage I got to go get to. Um, But announcement number two relates to you, Chris Haliorison. I appreciated your tweet extraordinarily. And I'm a little bit sad that I wasn't tagged directly because you deserve all of the credit. You and The work you guys do at College Tennis Ranks is God's gift to tennis fans. The week ahead, the week behind, organization to everything, pro rankings of players with college ties, all these different things. I've sang your praises enough. And by the way, the red dot is recording, so all that's going to stay in. Don't you worry, Chris. Um, In the immortal words of Ben Rothenberg, don't you dare compliment me till the red dot's on. The red dot is on, my friend, so you're getting complimented. But I deserve more credit for the peer pressure campaign I inspired a nation to get behind like come on now it's exceptional yeah i mean you were the you were definitely the foremost prompt in the peer pressure to make sure (laughs) things got up and running you know along with uh, a a large host of dms that uh, that were sliding in on the daily uh from head coaches saying hey are you even gonna run the site this year <laughs> but uh, but yes you you definitely prodded me to uh to get it going uh and uh and i appreciate that but yeah it's uh you know it's about time that I, I had hoped that we would certainly have it up by uh by kickoff weekend and you know like like every other year I'll vow to try to do better next year and I'll fail and uh <laughs> the same situation again. Well, you do outstanding each and every year Chris. I do feel like I'm ready to get our troops out of Vietnam. Like that's probably the next campaign I should be leading here <laughs> yeah. Chris after getting you uh off the mat and back to work and so yeah, I mean again, props all the way around but as we know on this show, props to me mostly for leading that campaign to get you going. I have no utility value myself but again i'm like the genius scotty bowman uh, i know how to inspire my troops to quote my tennis coach that was so, my tennis coach do you know who scotty bowman is yes okay i want to say, I wanna yeah. say the ice hockey right yes okay but, good 
The Red Wings, right? Fun fact. And this is, I swear to God, the truth. I don't know if this was originally true, but over time's fables become truth. And I think my mom's just kind of like, yeah, that's fine. That's It's not entirely false to tell that tale. My younger brother, Nicholas Stephen Gruskin, right? It's because from 2000 to, honestly, forever, 90s to 2010 the Red Wings were exceptional Why? right the you know the the Red Wings were exceptional and I swear this story is getting somewhere folks I promise Chris has a face like come on Alex wrap it up which is a rare face for him to make I'm, at I'm waiting me. for you to tell me that he was yeah. named after Iserman I mean, well so there we go I'm glad you got there so Nicholas Stephen Gruskin is because Nick Lidstrom was had the A on his chest, number five, the defenseman, and number 19, Steve Eiserman, had the C on his chest. The problem is my uncle was Stephen Fisher, so he, that wasn't going to be the first name. So we went Nicholas Stephen Gruskin, spelled N-I-K-O-L-A-S because we ain't Christian. No C-H's, as my dad always <laughs> likes to point out, um, which is funny. Just I'm saying, like, quiet humor from my dad in spelling. And when you can make phonetic humor, you know you're doing something right. Anyways, Nick, uh, Scotty Bowman. Thus, all these years later, to have my tennis coach, always he would be like, whenever he had a good point of coaching and a changeover, he'd be like, I'm like the genius Scotty Bowman. I know how to motivate my players. Uh, It's like, oh, my God, what are you saying? Also, last note on this story, because this was like, what a moment for Nicholas Gruskin. He's on a plane. My dad, who happens to travel out for work, got a second upgrade. so So he got to go to the front of the plane. Who's he sitting next to? Steve Eiserman. And he literally is like, he literally, because my brother is not the most extroverted human in the world. I think that rested on son number two in the family. Um, but he's like, ugh. And he literally is like, I have to do it. He looks at Steve and he's like, look. Because he's like, you could tell he didn't want to be annoyed. He's like, look, I apologize for asking you this. But my name is Nicholas Stephen Gruskin. And I am named after you. Like, can we take a photo together? And he goes, really? And my dad goes, yeah. Like, that's a true story. And he's like, oh, okay, well, then fine. Like, I'll take the photo. And so, anyways, let's talk college tennis because we're 13 minutes in. We have some exceptional results to do. But anyways, kickoff weekend is coming up. Week ahead, week behind is up, and college tennis ranks is fully firing, and as is the 2024 college tennis season. Let's talk about it now, Chris Halliors. The question coming out of weekend number two of the year, who is the number one team in the country on the men's side right now? You can make a case for just about anyone. And of course, the headline result we got of the week is a matchup that might just be our national championship come May. It's Virginia traveling to Austin. They took on Texas. Chris Halioris without Inyanki Montez and with a full-fledged Texas lineup, Virginia not only takes the doubles point, they take the clinching three-set victory at the number five spot. Alex Kiefer with a three-set win over Siam Waldeeb. There are things within this match to break down, but let's just talk surface level. When you saw this one, what was your first reaction? I'm not going to lie, a little shocked. I mean, Virginia, always a slow starter. Then they don't play Montez and Texas. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give you that Texas has not gotten off to a really quick start themselves, even, you know, with hidden duels and the way they played at Miami and and both the Baileys taking losses down there, which I, I honestly figure we have to ask them pronunciation because when I was at, I forgot to mention this, when we were at the, when I was at the 25K, the chair was a pronouncing it by E. I don't know if that's true. If I don't know if that's right or not, but I got to know. But anyway, 
but uh, you know, they weren't off to a quick start, but I still thought that at home, Virginia, when I saw no Montez, yeah, I mean, shocking, shocking result. And, and they get wins from, uh, you know, both the Baileys and from uh, Micah Braswell. And wow, to, to lose it down in the spots to me, even more shocking in the spots that I think if you're going to beat Virginia, you have to beat them at, which is five and six. And they, and Virginia gets the wins there. Wow. I just, you know, I, I, I was, I was shocked and I couldn't say that, you know, until, until Sunday rolled around and that was a Thursday match. I, uh, I, I couldn't have been more shocked until Sunday. No, I mean, again, I'm going to rapid fire these takes because we got a lot of tennis matches to talk about. The doubles lineup, and it looks better after the South Carolina result, but talk about highway f- robbery. Like, in no world, in no world. I'm going to go old school, Chris, and get a little animated here because it's our first week of the season. We got to remind the podcast listeners why they listen to us before we start getting soft after seeing all these coaches. In no world should Hopper and Graziani have been number one doubles, and Cleve Harper and Elliot Spaziri beat them in like 17 minutes, six love. Like, I get it. No and Yaki, it's a straight swap. I think Hopper and Yaki, who had a really good fall, are going to be at that number one spot. And that I could understand. But like, when that happened, to see Rodesh and Von der Schulenberg beat PY and Bailey, uh, PY, excuse me, and Waldeeb 6 4, that was just a good tennis set. That's a standard number two doubles match. Again, Dietrich and Kiefer versus GA and Micah, freshman senior versus freshman senior. It was as good as advertised. Virginia gets up an early break. Texas is chasing the whole way. Texas gets the break back, but Virginia gets the light break to close things out and closes things out. They take the doubles point one love. I mean, right away, you're like, all right, it's on. And f- prior to his loss to Toby Samuel, again, we're going to get here in a moment. As of Thursday at... 10 p.m. Eastern time or whatever time this match ended. <laughs> Rodesh is the guy. Chris Rodesh was the guy because he <laughs> went to Austin and he beat Elliot Spaziri 6-3-6-3. And I love Elliot, obviously. So this is where now you're starting to see the conflicts. Welcome back to the show, folks. It wasn't – that scoreline was closer than the match felt. Chris was up a break immediately in both sets. Elliot was chasing the entire time. You know, again, on the flip side – the single most shocking, uh, you know, on the flip side, Texas respond. I guess we'll do it in this chronologically. Micah looked as good as he looked in the fall. Four and three over Von der Schulenberg's a really good win. PY at four might be the joke of jokes we have this year because, again, maybe a little highway robbery with the lineup. It's match number one. You can do it. Wow. But Graziani at four, if we see him above Kiefer or Dahlberg at the indoors, Color me as a guy who will be shocked come that moment. Um, PY beats him one and one again. At least it was breadsticks, not bagels. That's my takeaway from that match. PY at four, joke. The fascinating one was obviously uh, GA and Dietrich. Uh, two fascinating ones GA versus Dietrich, which was just a stellar freshman battle. They're both going to be really good. Oh my God, Chris Hallioris are both guys smooth with it. And Dietrich's got the blonde hair, but he's tall, he's skinny, perfect ball striker. GA's just a dog. Like, I'm, you can hear the excitement in my face. Is his technique as, like, pure as Dietrich's? No. But GA just has that, all right, 
I'm sorry. Like, it's cute that it's close, and that breaker, he was up big. Then it got back to 6-all before he closed it out 8-6. GA's just got that one point better than you, or one shot better than you. Where it's like, oh, that's cute. Your forehand did this. I'm going to move faster than you expect, and now my forehand's going to do that. Or, oh, like, you thought I wasn't going to track that down? No, 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 no. I'm going to track that down. I'm GA freaking Bailey. Uh, I, you know I made two junior slams, right? I just I want to remind you, Dylan. Like, it's cute that you were on the ITA newcomer list. I am the ITA newcomer list. Anyways, I know that's a lot of thoughts. The single biggest shock in this match wasn't Kiefer Waldeep. Waldeep, who was up the majority of that first set breaker. When Kiefer won that, you could tell he was going to win that match. The single biggest shock was Dahlberg over Braswell. Dahlberg 3-3 three and three in that match after the fall he had. For what it's worth, he came out against South Carolina, got a three-set win over Carter Morgan as well. That's the Mons Dahlberg Virginia needs this season. And they got that from him in weekend number one, and even though they went one in one, again, while we're going through, I guess it's Texas, like that's what swung the Texas match. More than any other match, it was Mons beating Jonah in that fashion. That's the one I didn't see coming. Every other scoreline, I could have, if you would have told me before, I'd be like, yeah, I believe that. That's the one that caught me off guard. That's yeah, a look, lot of I- takes to throw at you. You can respond. Yeah, well, okay. So, yeah, let's go down. So, so first, Agree on the doubles lineup for Virginia. And, and uh, you know, hey, we said we're not going to talk lineup. So we're just going to tease. If you want to hear what that lineup looks like yeah. for this weekend, come back Thursday and listen to us live talking about these uh, these lineups and see what Virginia's got in store. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised at that as well. Uh, I will say I wasn't too – I wasn't terribly surprised pre-match – with the fact that they put Graziani in in front of Kiefer, I, I was I mean a little bit surprised, but after seeing it, I would say I I have to agree. Under no circumstance can they really should they really be playing him in front of uh, Kiefer anymore. But I have zero. I mean, you talked about Texas. I have zero zero reservations or, or even, you know, trying to call out any sort of stacking, if you will, in the Texas lineup for A, because it's exactly the lineup that I said they would be playing. And I think it is a legit straight up. The only question to me, it's exactly where I would have played. We questioned two, three. I figured they'd lean Michael with the experience uh, and and the, you know, more veteran guy. GA did not come to Texas to play four. He's not going to play behind his brother for the most part. That's exactly the lineup I saw playing with. The only thing that I said, you know, preseason for them was, I think we're going to see split time in all likelihood between Braswell and Harper at six. And, and it was, and I thought we'd see more Jonah. He's the one that gets the nod. That's exactly the lineup. I thought we'd see out of Texas, no qualms whatsoever. And UVA just took it to him. Well, we're going to get back to the Alex Kiefer and UVA side of things in a moment when we talk South Carolina. Just to put the final bow on this match and to put the final bow on the Texas side of things, it's first match of the season, and you play the number one team in the country, and this sort of thing's happened. So 30,000-foot view, long terms, no worries. Can't lose five and six in doubles. This team is too talented to lose at the spots where depth, talent, experience all those things shine most, which is in doubles where, again, Cleve and Elliott won six love. Like, can't waste a bagel set at the number one double spot. It's always tough. 
This team, which has seven options, when you talk Cleve Harper, that should all win at number six every time they play there. Not every time, but 90% of the time they play there. I get Virginia's number one, but you got to get a set there. You got to stay alive. You got to give Waldeep someone to work with in that scenario. Or just, again, the scoreboard pressure of now we're up 3-2 with these two three-setters to go. I mean, again, Waldeep was up a mini break at times in that first set breaker. I think he was up 5-4 or something like that before losing the final few points of that match. Now, again, Kiefer was nails, but, like, you just can't lose 5-6. and six. And I think if you're Bruce Burke and this Texas coaching staff and you said, hey, you lost this match because you lost doubles 5-6, and six, do you think that'll ever happen again? I do think the bet would be no, it doesn't, because it shouldn't ever happen again. But you do wonder if maybe we see some cleave at 6, if you go with the steady hand, if there will be any adjustments in those spots moving forward until, again, someone steps up, find a rhythm again. Elliott loses this match. That's not going to happen very often, but 4-3. UVA takes it to Texas, and again, you're feeling like, all right, we were right. We had them number one. All is well. Good call by us. We're feeling good. You're feeling confident. You're feeling cocky. They win the doubles against South Carolina, and then everything else kind of turns, you know, three first sets, Rodash, Vander Schulenberg, Dahlberg all doing their thing. Everything turns from there, Chris. South Carolina, sans Connor Thompson. Sans James Story, two of their veterans who will be top three or four singles players, maybe not anymore after this weekend, but staples of their success in what was an NCAA quarterfinal finish last year. Without Thompson, without Story, South Carolina goes to Charlottesville, Chris. Three-set win from Samuel at one. Three-set win from De Silva over Graziani at four. Three-set win from Casey Hool over Dylan Dietrich at two, and then cramping down the home stretch of the third, 5-4 down. I was ready to turn off the match and almost did. Thankfully, I didn't. Freshman Sean Darabegi, 6-3-4-6-7-5. He knocks out who, Chris? He knocks out Alex Kiefer, the guy who went on the road and beat Sam Waldeep to clinch in Austin just three days, two days prior, beaten by a freshman at home. Darabegi gets a win, and again, all these names, Hool, Saar, De Silva, Darabegi, Morgan, these are all pieces where we were wondering in our preseason pod, where do they all fit in this singles lineup this year? The answer might just be anywhere, Chris, after a result like this. Thank God we were high on South Carolina coming into the season because if this is what they're going to get from the non-Thompson Samuel story pieces, this team is going to be top five good. Yeah, just, un, I mean, unimaginable that they could do this, you know, yes, no Montez, but hey, they had no, you know, no Thompson, no story. And to to have to pull two guys from that lineup in a team that we already, like, as you mentioned, we're questioning what's going to be down low. You know, we got Dario Beggy, a freshman in there. You got Yelani Saar, a freshman in there. I We don't know what we're going to see. You know, a De Silva that hasn't seen a lot of action, a Carter Morgan that ha- didn't hasn't seen in you know it, you know a lot of experience, even though he's been there. I, unbelievable that they're able to 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 do that at Virginia. And you mentioned you know Daria Beggy. I, I was in our in our crack rackets group text as soon as he pulled up, cramping the way he was unable to move. I said, "Oh, he's done. Forget it." And I think he double faulted his service game away. 
mm-hmm. um, with, you know, you on half a leg because he could, it, this was not a, you know, it was not a, let's make it look like I'm cramping and use it as an excuse for losing. He clearly, you know, couldn't stand, couldn't serve, got broken, got a little bit of a rest in there. Somehow it was able to hold up for, you know, long enough to get a break, but uh, it was just unbelievable that he was able to hang in like that. And I mean, you know, hats off to coach Goffey and the team that that's, I, I just, I was speechless after, especially, I mean, not only what they did without those guys, but then to a team that just went to Texas and beat the team that for those people that wanted to argue that those of us that voted Virginia one were off our rockers because Texas was one, they go to Austin and beat them. Clearly they're now, you know, we're all feeling vindicated. Yeah. Virginia is the best team. And then they go at home to a team without two of their top three and, and lose just, I, I was speechless. Still am. I'll go beyond that. Virginia's up three, two in this match. And again, it comes down to four and five where they have, yes, Graziani, who's new to Charlottesville, but not new to college tennis versus the sophomore De Silva. They've got the senior Kiefer versus the fifth-year Darabegi. You feel like you've got that match at that point. If you're, It'd be one thing if they were on the road. Chris, they were at home. This was in Charlottesville. This was at the, at the Boar's Head. Yeah. Fresh off of a win over Texas. And it's Kiefer, the guy who just clinched against a Frenchman. And like... Again, that's what makes what Darabegi did so special. And even a guy like De Silva, who was in and out of the lineup, you guys all know my thoughts on the big hitter. I think he's got high upside, and you saw that again, grinds his way back, gets the three-set win. Even for Carter Morgan to go three sets, prevent uh, Dahlberg from putting an easy point on the board. Toby Samuel, inspired performance after he's been a bit banged up these past couple of weeks Story play the doubles. Like, again, they lost two double sets, though, 6-1, and they come back. And again, all due respect to Casey Houle, De Silva, Morgan, who all played at times last year. They were not any of the big contributors last season. Houle maybe more so, obviously, than the rest. But four, essentially, guys you are relying on in ways they've never been relied on before. Insar, De Silva, Darbegi, and Morgan. And you go on the road and you beat the number one team in the country. The defending, two-time defending NCAA champs. Yes, who are without Inyaki Montez in both matches. You saw the uh, Dietrich playing the number two spot in this match. I mean, again, just like you want to know why we talk about Josh Goffey the way we do on this show. Beats Ohio State last year. Goes to Charlottesville. Beats them this year. That's why he is so sought after each and every offseason. Because, again... With new pieces, no story, no Thompson and singles, he beats the Who's. Let me ask you this question before we put the final uh, two questions before we put the final bow on this. Part one will be fun. Alex Kiefer, you're him. I'm going to put you in the senior shoes. And by the way, the overlooked member of that fourth year quad, Von der Schulenberg, Rodesh, Montez have played top three for three years, four years now. They're obviously the headliners. But Kiefer's been there the whole time as well. They asked him to step in last year. He did so more than admirably at that number five spot. You're Alex Kiefer. Which match would you have rather won? In Austin against Waldeep or at home against the freshman? What do you pick? You can only win one of them, evidently. Which one would you have preferred to win, Chris? Oh, at Texas for sure. You know, I've thought hard about this. In Charlottesville, though, home soil, final year, 
You know what? You're right because you're going to get more chances to win in Charlottesville through the remainder of the season. That one you can make up for the in-Austin experience against a team who you think you're going to play in the NCAA final to be the clincher on a Thursday night opening match of the season. You're right. That's the right question. I mean, right all answer. kinds of bonuses. It's it, Yes, like you said, you get more matches at home. Uh, you This early in the season, I would say, you know, most pundits would still argue Texas finishes the year ranked higher, more points on the line. It's bonus points for getting a road win. Everything points to as a team, which I think then if you're a team guy means, yeah, as an individual, I want to contribute to the team thing. I rather win the road match than the home match. All right. Well said. Final question for you this weekend. We saw Virginia get a win, but knocked off. South Carolina obviously beats Virginia. Ohio State beats Eastern Illinois and Xavier, but obviously we'll see them kick things off in a more serious fashion kickoff weekend, and no one can criticize the Ohio State schedule, which will only get tougher as we get closer and closer to the start of the month of February. Tennessee gets wins over top 25 teams, Michigan and Wake. Who's number one in the country right now, Chris? That's the question I ask you, and rather than have you answer it, I'll say this. You'll get to see our first regular season edition of our Cracked Rackets rankings. If you tune in to our show on Thursday, where again, we will have our six voters all cast and turn in their votes by then. And so again, it's an open question. I will say, do you think there's a clear cut number one right now? I guess we'll get a little hint to tease. Don't give me an exact name, but do you think there's a clear cut one or no? I do not think there's a clear cut one. And I will say, say this with, I'm not going to give up my vote, but I will say that the ITA rankings that come out, which are a poll of basically coaches, I think coaches tend to lean in a, you know, they have a specific bias in their voting. And I will be very interested to see if that comes out in the rankings this week. Yeah. All right. Well, again, fascinating opening weekend for the two-time defending champs. Who's they go to Austin for three win. Then they have South Carolina come to town and it's the Gamecocks for three victory. By the way, was fascinating to note. Uh, I think it was Cash and Nakashima at two doubles, Luchanigan Boulay at one, Tracy and Kingsley back again at the number three double spot for the Buckeyes. We'll see if that sticks. Again, we'll talk lineups as we approach kickoff weekend. Let's move on now to Knoxville, though, where it was a really good weekend for a Tennessee team that, yes, brings back a couple of big dogs. Monday, Mitsui, Angel Diaz, who all had a ton of success, obviously, last season and throughout their tenures in Knoxville, but to beat Michigan. To beat Wake Forest, to go 2-0 in doubles in each of those two matches as well. And then, you know, again, to see your top dog, Joe Monday, wins over Maroney in straight sets. Obviously, the clinching three-set win against Gavin Young. Young served for the opening set, gets broken. Monday serves for the second set. Gavin playing some incredible tennis to break back. Ultimately, winning in a breaker. Monday, breaking Gavin Young 5-4 in that third set. I mean, again... Given how last year ended for Joe Monday, him being unable to close out Toby Samuel, that more than anything to get that clinch first big weekend of the season, it's a massive moment mentally for the senior who we obviously know when playing his best can be as good as anyone in college tennis. So again, doubles goes 2-0, Monday goes 2-0. 
Mitsui goes 2-0 as well. And when he played in the top of the lineup last year, he struggled. That was not the case this weekend. Straight sets over Bjorn Svensson. Straight sets over DK Suresh as well. The final piece, and maybe the best piece, is how good their freshman, Philip Paisonka, looked. And look, Paisonka was the less touted of the two Polish freshmen they brought in. Kid's going to be a player. 5-3 and three victory over Wake Forest transfer, uh, transfer in, new transfer in Holden Coons, who was playing number one at a non-Power 5 school last season. Uh, straight set 1-2 and two over Will Cooksey as well. Now, again, there were ups and downs for Lalami, for Chris Lee, for Angel Diaz throughout the course of the weekend, but they also had ups to go along with those downs. This is a weekend you can build around if your coaches Woodruff and Mackay. Thoughts on how the Vols performed? You got to see them in person, Chris, what it looked like. Yeah, first of all, you know, I hadn't seen, and it's Pajanka is how that's. Oh, thank uh, you. Pajanka, I had not seen in person. And uh, I I thought I was seeing a, uh, a, a black-haired Joe Monday. I mean, he is a big, big lefty. And uh, I You're mean, tell me they got a type. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach, Coach McKay and Coach Winter have a type, evidently. But super, super impressive. I was, you know, I unfortunately, I didn't sit down on that end. Uh, so he was playing at the far, at the other end. I was kind of on the, on the two, four, six end. Uh, and he being five on the far, far, far court. I didn't see a lot. I did wander down occasionally. But he looked really good. Uh, my initial takes, though, for for Tennessee, honestly, were just at the end. I was at which you know for for Michigan was good, just not not good from Tennessee. Chris Lee, Angel Diaz did not look good to to start the season, uh, and and there was an absolute battle uh, on on court two with Bick and Lalami. Um, I think, you know, my takes after that were, yeah, we're going to see a series of swaps here. I think we'll see. And I think they did it with with Wake already, probably. I think we're going to see, you know, uh, the, a swap at 2-3, a swap at 4-5. Just to be quick, we saw exactly that. Mitsui Lalami switch. Again, uh, Mitsui gets a win moving up to 3. Uh, Pai Chonka. Pai Jonka, excuse me, gets the win. Pai Jonka, the junk. Can we call him the junk? The junk. Uh, he's gonna, uh, Simon Ute? <laughs> no, the, yeah, the problem is, okay, this is going to sound, Westhoff's going to have to crack it when you say it in this tone, but he dropped his ganya. <laughs> like, that's how you got to say it, right? Like, that's for sure what the expression is going to be. I mean, someone in the social media team, the problem is it was quack there, but I think they can assume what I said there. Um, that's got to be like... That's got to be the clip. There it is. You're welcome. You can have that one for free, Tennessee. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, which I know I did. Four, they did switch those exact things with Lee moving down to five, Pajunka going up to four, Mitsui up to two, Lalami down to three. And I, I and I think over the course of the season, if – yeah, no, frankly, Think. Angel Diaz just didn't look good at six. I also think it's a horrible spot for Angel Diaz. Angel likes to slap. And the last kind of guy you want to put against a guy that likes to slap and make make errors is somebody that's going to just grind all day with you. And what do you think you're going to see at six? A guy that's going to grind all day with you. I think if they're, I think they're either going to have to pull him or they're going to have to move him up. But six is not the spot in the lineup for Angel Diaz. So we'll see how that fares out uh, as we move forward. But uh, but all and I, then I think Chris Lee. 
I just don't think indoors is going to be the place for him much like, you know, there are a lot of guys that are going to be better outdoors. He's going to be a better outdoor guy. Um, so I don't know about that. I, I do think indoors, uh, we might get to see Apple Tower. You get a guy that plays indoors uh, the, a lot of the year. The, uh, I think a Czech guy. I think that's going to be something to watch for from an indoor season uh, for Tennessee moving forward. But they they do have not only did they manage to get out with the win, they have a lot of options here <clears throat> of guys to play. They're not a six deep team like you know like we said they 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 can afford to bring Apple Tower in. I don't have we I haven't seen Newton play singles yet, but. They've, they've got some options. I really, really like what I saw from Pajanka. I'm interested to see this guy moving forward. Always been a fan of tall lefties here on this show. I would be shocked if Diaz doesn't end up at five. I think outdoors Chris Lee is going to be a great fit at six. Um, again, struggled this weekend indoors. Losses to Tachi, losses to Patorn, Hunchikokel of Michigan. Um Diaz did bounce back, by the way, with a win over Luca Pau for Wake Forest uh, at that number six spot in his second match on the weekend. I would be shocked, shocked given the success he had at four and five last year if he doesn't end up in that five spot. But yeah, like Lalami could be as low as four. I really like the tall lefty pie junk, and I think he could have success early. And certainly we saw that this weekend. Two good wins for the Vols. Other side of the equation, let's talk Wolverines. Uh, Wake quickly as we got introduced uh, inductions to their lineup. No Aaron Schneider, obviously, for the Wolverines this weekend in singles. Massive win for Bickersteth in three over Lalami, especially, and that first set in particular. Wolverines uh, ultimately got three first sets, but Gavin Young was up a break on one for a while there. So, again, it made things competitive after it was a lopsided doubles point. It's a massive debut for Patorn Hanchikokel in a match like this. I'm butchering his last name. I'm just going to call him Patorn uh, with the two and four win. Well, they call Chris him Lee. Han, right? Or, or yeah. Han. It's Han Chikel. No, it's Patorn. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously Nick Steiglener to come in the sophomore, get a win over Angel Diaz at that four spot. I even thought that was the best match I've seen Bjorn Svensson play in a spring duel match. And I know he lost in straights, but he was able to extend that opening set after being down a break for much of it to face a guy like Mitsui who pressured him. Bjorn was actually able to apply some pressure against him as well. And then Gavin's four all on serve in a third set on the road against Joe Monday. First match at number one. I got no problems with it. That was a really encouraging show. Like if For those of you who thought, oh, the floor is going to fall out from beneath Michigan this season, to see them put forward that performance without a healthy Nino in the lineup, that's a very encouraging start for the Wolverines. Yeah, they looked they looked great. I, uh, you know, competitive that- everywhere except for Cooksey, which again, but Will didn't lose a match at the indoors last year. So you get this one, Will. Yeah, you give him one, but, but the, I think it's going to make for an interesting debate when Nino's back because look, they played, you know, that we kind of talked about, we joked at the very end of the show last week, Mert Oral played the first match uh, against DePaul, right? This week they put Steiglander in just like looking for something else. I watched him play Angel Diaz and I'm thinking, where's this guy been? I mean, he, but I, I, and I told you directly after the match, I felt like that had to be really close to his ceiling just because he played so fantastically well from the baseline he, you know, there was pace on the balls. For the most part, he kept them deep and wouldn't let Angel make his way in. He's a he is a little guy. I'm gonna guess that he, you know, I definitely outweigh him, and and he's probably in my realm of height. He has a sneaky, sneaky good first serve for a little guy that you're not expecting. Places it well. 
Uh, yeah, and so I think it's going to be, hey, when Nino's back and all of a sudden he's out, I think there's a, you know, I think he's going to push Cooksey to have a battle for who's playing that sixth spot. Just, again, this is all based off watching one match. Don't know what he can do going forward, but he, he looked great. Michigan, honestly, yeah, I wasn't expecting as good a performance as we saw. I'm very, very, very uh, in up on this team after seeing what I saw from those guys. It was a big ask to go to Knoxville, and they almost, like you said, four all in the third uh, on court one. That's about as close as you're going to come to knocking off Tennessee indoors at Tennessee. Almost only counts, though, in horseshoes and hand grenades. So, obviously, the Wolverines, they played it close. They're going to want to be on the other end of it as they've got Stanford coming to town for the kickoff weekend. We'll obviously talk about that one in a little bit. Wake Forest, I swear to God, Coach Breskin could say to an opposing coach, you set my lineup. And they'd be like, ah, I don't really know what to do. Like, you're fine. Actually, you set it because I know less even than you know. Um, they go Maroney 1, DK 2, Thompson 3, Coons 4, Tachi 5, Pau 6, I mean, again, they lost four straight set matches on the road. They lose the doubles point, but nothing, there were no blowouts. It was competitive everywhere, and this is a, a team with a lot of new pieces fitting in. Yeah, Coons is a veteran, but first time wearing the Wake Forest gear. Pow, DK, obviously new pieces as well. I Wake Forest might be the most confounding team we have in this 2024 season, Chris, and that I still don't know what to make of the pieces, even if there's a lot to like. Obviously, if Boyton gets eligible... Now it's a brand new ball game. Like thoughts on Wake? Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Look, I've seen a fair amount of Coons being in that sort of eastern region where Liberty was, where I saw some matches at James Madison. The to me, the quintessential, as you know, we like to sort of stereotype a lot of the lefties as crafty lefties, but you know, he is he's the crafty lefty variety. He's not the Joe Monday banging Monday variety, right? Yeah. Uh, very good player. I think the guy to watch that's going to sort of make or break things for me, for them this year is, is Tachi. I mean, sure. all the talent in the world and hasn't done it up to this year. He looks like he's now he's going to be in the lineup. He needs to do something and he needs to be a guy for them. They also have to play Tachi and Maroney together in doubles at least once, just for our sake, because again, <laughs> that's a deep cut. If you're a longtime listener, you get that. And if they play them, I guarantee you we'll have Matt Stokowiak on the pod to talk about it. That's my promise to all of you listeners. Let's move on to another match. First signature victory for this Columbia particular group. And again, Columbia has been a perennial top 16 team now for the better part of a decade. But this group's gone through a lot with the COVID, keeping them out an extra season compared to everyone else. And thus, again, you have some older players who are still relatively young in their dual match experience. It felt like Columbia was on the wrong end of four, three matches against the opponents they had to beat in just about the biggest matches they played every match last season. Not this time, Chris. 6-1 win at home over North Carolina. They take the doubles point at one and two, then get straight set wins from Zhang Kotzen and Westfall. They also get three set wins from Alex Kotzen over Carl Poling, Hugo Hashimoto over Will Peters. Columbia's victories, Alex Kotzen, three sets over Carl Poling. Uh, excuse me, North Carolina's victories, Benjamin Kite uh, got a straight set win over Ishan Ravachandar. That's the only one on the board for the Tar Heels. Columbia's real, Chris. We said we should have, or we had them very much in consideration for top 10, a win like this, and to do this to North Carolina two weekends in a row, very impressive. Yeah, I'm, yes. I, yeah, I don't know what else to say. They were, they were phenomenal. I start to get a little worried about North Carolina here. Shown definitely has not, you know, 
lived up to the all the hype coming in for the freshmen for them it does take you know but we say it every time it takes time for the freshmen to to work their way in especially the january freshmen uh yeah it could be a little it, it might be a little rocky up and down for for north carolina here and uh and we'll talk about it thursday but wow what a fascinating kickoff region that is but yeah columbia i don't you know i i they couldn't have been any more impressive back-to-back weekends against North Carolina. They look phenomenal. Well, it's fascinating because, again, we know some of the North Carolina faces, but they're all in new places in the lineup. Jansen Poling were 3-4 and four last year. They're now 1-2. and two. Kate, yeah, we saw him, but he's a sophomore being asked to step up to the number three spot, and that's a really encouraging win from him. Again, I'm still holding hope out on, I think it's Shun. I think Shun, uh, again, it's freshman first weekend. We'll get there. But Jordan, Peters, these are all new pieces. Like, it's a very different Tar Heel team. Do they have a tier one guy? Like, last year they did. They had Segerman. They had Cernok. Those were tier one guys who could see the big dogs. Even Cernok going on the road in Austin against Spaziri. He walks on the court thinking, I should beat you. Like, I am more experienced than you, Elliot, please. Um, And, like, I just don't know from a pedigree standpoint they have that guy on the roster this year. A lot of guys who you feel like should be really good at four singles all year long. But, man, the story is the glass half full. Columbia needed this win to start their season. They get it. And now this group has some confidence. They get a ranked win over an ACC opponent, which obviously every Ivy League team values. They don't play kickoff weekend because they're hosting the damn national indoor championship. So to get this win as well, just again, it's a big one for Columbia to kick off their season. Certainly, though, we'll be monitoring the UNC side of things as we approach the most fascinating kickoff weekend, which unequivocally is in Chapel Hill. Just, mm. I think unequivocally, yeah. right? Like that's the one I'm thinking it is, right? It's like them, Illinois, yeah, yeah. someone and pick, someone. You can pick any, you can take any of the four teams, whoever you want. You could you could legit make an argument for anybody. Wake and Florida are the other two teams there. But yeah, come uh, on. Now. I mean, yeah, North Carolina, Wake, Florida, Illinois. Like, I don't even care. Pick the first day winners. Carolina, Illinois, I don't know. Wake, Florida, I don't know. The, the winners against each other, I don't know. The losers against each other, I don't know. Yeah, and we're going to get to that region. Trust me, that's going to be at least a 10-minute conversation on Thursday. Let's go other side of the Ivy League. Weird week for Harvard, and we started talking about this match on last week's show as it was unfolding as we were speaking, but ultimately Memphis, 4-3 winners over Harvard. Now, again, that was a match where Harvard, I believe, went on the road to Memphis, Um, but again, like credit to Memphis, winning the doubles point, they get wins at the numbers two, five, and six spot. Transfer from Tennessee, Connor Gannon, straight set win over Vonder Schulenberg. That's probably the swing match in that one. For what it's worth, freshman Cooper Williams playing the number one spot. He was down a set and a break to Pablo Alemany, the veteran for Memphis. Cooper ultimately able to force a third, was up 3-1 in that third set when it ended. And then the Crimson bounced back. They knock out NC State 6-1 later on in the weekend. They take the doubles point in that one. Williams straight set win over Katri. Von der Schulenberg three set win over Von Sombeek. Milovsky, Chichuk 2-0 overall on the weekend. So again, you're feeling good about that part of the lineup. You know, again, so a mixed bag of results at the five and six spot for Harvard. They got to figure that out probably moving forward. It was a strange week for the Crimson. Again, you're really happy with the Cooper Williams debut. Vonder Schulenberg, disappointing, but then he bounced back. I don't know. Where, where are you with this Harvard team after a weird opening week, uh, second week of the year? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think a, 
time will tell, and it's not going to take a lot of time to see how just how good or bad that Memphis loss was because Memphis draws Stanford their first match kickoff weekend. So and you know, beat we'll Northwestern get, 4-0 this weekend yeah. as well. Yeah, a rough weekend for the non-top four of the Big Ten for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I, I I don't know what to make of it. I certainly didn't see that coming from Memphis. I know a lot of the the names and the guys on the team, and I I I did not you know I didn't see Connor Gannon who we've seen at, at Tennessee jumping up and beating yeah. Von der Schulenberg. I mean, there there were just a lot of head scratchers there. So I don't I don't know necessarily yet what to make of it. The the bounce back, if you will, uh, against NC State. NC State had a lot of injuries last year and never had quite had a full team. And I, there's, I, they're definitely still not a full team now. I don't even know to be. I don't. I did not think Rosens was a senior. He's not there anymore. Uh, not sure what happened. Salvestri is on the team. Didn't play in the match. So I still think probably a little shorthanded NC State. I'm going to keep a close eye on them because it worries me from from their behalf. A match probably that I think Harvard was, you know, should have won, but not necessarily six one. So yeah, in both cases, a little bit of a, a head scratcher. I, am I going to be too worried if I'm Harvard? No, I don't think so. I think uh, you know it was an early season road loss. Chalk it up, move on, and until something else, you know happens like that i'm not worried about harvard yeah again um i think they're gonna do some playing around at the five and six spots all season long because they have the talent to do so it was a good bounce back again memphis might memphis is always a top 35 team so they're always in that hunt uh obviously again if you're harvard you would have loved to have avoided that loss if you could have but good bounce back against a very veteran laced NC State team who, by the way, they've got a tough one. I think they play Duke match number one of kickoff weekend. And speaking of which, let's talk about the Blue Devils now. They avoid disaster this wow. weekend. Four, yeah. three wins over F, uh, over VCU and Princeton. Now, two disclaimers. One, the match against Princeton was clinched before it was 4-3. I think it was a 4-0 clinch for the Blue Devils still. Final score ended up 4-3. They played everything out. Thing number two is VCU's just a solid squad. Like, they've got some real talent across the board. Again, to have a guy like Oscar Pintos and Sano at the number four spot, German Semifalov transferring in, he's their number six now, former Alabama player, like Bobacan, Bondez as your top two. That's a real team, Chris. That is a team that is going to sneak up on some people at various points of the season, maybe even kickoff weekend. Oh, yeah. The, so, and again, we'll, we'll save all the in-depth talk till Thursday, but bah, second behind that North Carolina region in level of all four teams, it's the Starkville region. They are the four playing Mississippi State. That's with, what it is. That's a great opener. That one we have the broadcast of. Yeah, and with Florida State and Arizona State, two good mm. teams at the 2-3 spot. I mean, that's another good region where, you know, if you're a fan of any of the four teams, you're legitimately thinking you have a shot to get through. It's a four NCAA tournament team uh, region, which, again, that's going to be an exciting one. But look, again, if you're Duke, here are the headline takeaways, I suppose, from the weekend. For what it's worth, you go 2-0 and in doubles. For what it's worth, Garrett Johns, who had this massive summer, massive fall of pro success, he goes 2-0 and at the top spot as well. The uh, Oh, the last one, Andrew Zhang, who would be the first to admit he did not have a good 2023. He goes 2-0, two, uh, two straight set victories as well. If Zhang's going to have a bounce back year at three, you re- 
examine maybe this Duke's team ceiling moving forward. But you know what they got this weekend that they never got last year? Two Pedro Rodinas losses. And one had to retire uh, down in the third to Mathis Bondes. The other a three-set loss, 6-4 in the third uh, to Princeton. I mean, again, they needed Jay Krug 0-6-7-5-7-5 over Semifalov to escape 4-3 in that VCU match. For a team that brings back pretty much everyone from last season, they're someone you would expect to get off to a quick start. Definitely a little bit concerning if you're head coach Ramsey Smith. Yeah, not what you expect out of the number eight team in the country yeah. now, uh, for for sure. And and you you put the nail on the head. I think the 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 takeaway for me was Rodinus not getting a win on the weekend. That's the guy that was just an absolute lock uh, last year. I don't know, you know, all, all I can all I can say is, man, I can hope that maybe he was a little banged up or something because it wasn't even like his offseason was bad. He had some good success uh, in in pro tourneys. So I certainly didn't see, you know, that coming. Uh, it's one weekend. Let's chalk it up to, OK, maybe he had a bad weekend. Let, let's move on and see uh, and see how he fares kickoff weekend. But, yeah, that it's definitely concerning to be a number eight team and have to sneak out four, three wins over VCU and Princeton. I don't care who, you, you know, what name you insert there. If you say you're number eight, and you win four, three over VCU and four, three over Princeton, you're not number eight anymore. Yeah. Well said again, only one weekend of sample size of uh, two weekends of matches. But again, we got a lot of good ones and a lot of teams with impressive victories. Duke certainly on the less impressive side, but Hey, the key word is they did avoid the disaster. They get the wins in both matches and heading to kickoff weekend with at least they're awake now. They know, hey, we got to we got to get our stuff together if we want to get back to the national indoors, make a top 16, top eight push, try and get to the final site. Speaking of four, three matches, though, again, final big breakdown here and then we'll rapid fire to end. How about Kentucky, Chris? This is the team I've staked my reputation on here in 2024. I have said I higher on them than the rest of the college tennis intelligentsia will guarantee you this Kentucky team is going to be in the top eight hunt, that their freshman class is one of those uh, special freshman classes. And guess what? They showed that. In their matchup against Illinois, the Illini ultimately taking a dramatic doubles point clinch 7-6 by Mathis DeBru, Kenta Miyoshi at the number three spot, 10-8 in a breaker. Illini also take one, two, three first sets at the one, three, and five spots, and yet in the end, it's Kentucky fighting their way back. Wins from freshman Eli Stevenson, Matt Rankin, sophomore Charlotte Cosne at four, and then with the clinch, it's the senior Taha Body 6-3 in the third over Kenta Miyoshi. This was an outstanding match, Chris. Again, Ozalans, heck, the leaders you would expect them to be for the Illini this year with on-court results. They each get straight set wins uh, in singles after they drop their double set. I mean, again, I'm telling you, Stevenson at five, Rankin at six. I don't think we're going to see Rankin at six when Jaden Weeks gets healthy. I think everyone slides down a spot, probably from four. So Kusne to five, Stevenson at six. I know Laudit lost four and four to heck, but I'm just telling you, like, this is a real lineup, and you saw that. To go and win in Champaign, maybe the most difficult environment we have in college tennis, certainly on the short list, to win in Champaign first month of the season, you have our attention, Kentucky Wildcats, and you make me feel better about all the reputation-staking claims I've put in. 
Yeah, you couldn't. I mean, in hindsight, you never you never really want to ask for it. But in hindsight, they couldn't have asked for sort of a better character building, confidence building win for one of their freshmen. And that was was Eli Stevenson. Stevenson is is up four three in the third serving and goes down either love 40 or 15 40 facing, you know, either three or four break points there to put the bat the match back level again knowing that they need both him at that point it's 3-2 Illinois they need him and then they need body who's just starting a third set Steven com- Stevenson comes back gets the hold for 5-3 and then closes the match out and puts it all on body and you just I don't know I I sort of felt in just watching that 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 was the match for them because I I just felt like body looked like he was starting to roll and he was going to do what he ended up doing and it really that match really came down to Stevenson and to put your freshman on the on the road in that spot and let him come away with a win. I mean, he's going to, you know, he's got to build a ton of confidence and that's got to help them immensely right out of the gate. It's still going to be to me, but like you you mentioned Weeks has to is going to come back. He's probably going to be in there and maybe slide the guys down, but look, last year Weeks and Cosne at the 5 6 spot were still sort of the questionable spots for them Cosne did not put up a great record and you see him play in four this week it's a guy that I think's got to make a jump for him he can't play like he did last year he's got to make that sophomore jump but if he and Weeks make that sophomore jump I I honestly don't have any issues if Stevenson's six I have no qualms with Stevenson at six I'm a little more worried that they've got to get the the jump out of Weeks and Cosne this year it's a massive win from Taha Badi, in my opinion, to step up to the number two spot. He played a bunch of three setters down the home stretch of last year, and after starting off on the winning end of all of them, they kind of tilted against him to end the season. To clinch this on the road against a rising Kenta Miyoshi, who's played really good ball over the last six months, that's a massive victory for Body. Massive win for Ozalens, quietly, who, like, we know on paper how good he can be to 3-2 and two Joshua Lapidot. That's a performance. Hunter Heck has always been a primetime performer. The bigger the match, the better the Hunter. He gets a 4-4 four and four win over a really good freshman in Laudit. Again, I really like this Illinois roster. I really like this Kentucky roster. I also think these are two teams that have that perfect combination of talented veterans. Uh, excuse me. Veterans with experience across the lineup as versatile veterans. That's what I was looking for. Versatile veterans with talented freshmen. You pair all that together by the end of the year, this team could be very much in a final sight hunt, pushing whomever that six, seven, eight seed team is, because I do think that gap between five, 20 this year has never been more narrow we saw that on display with the plethora of four, three matches we saw across the board this week. This was another example of that again, I think you're feeling not great because you lost the match at home, but you have something to build on if you're Illinois this season. You feel like you should be hosting the first two matches of the NCAA tournament. Certainly for Kentucky, you get a win that will put you in a position to do so. And speaking of which, Chris, to end today's show, a segment we will be bringing, of course, back uh, back into 2024 when I've hoped to refine, call it the other things category, the rapid fire edition, where I'm going to list a bunch of storylines, a bunch of matches, and then to keep us quick, Chris, you get one response at the end to all of these storylines. So we're going to test your memory. Uh, we're going to see if the early on set Alzheimer's has indeed set in or if you can remember all these storylines and address as many of them, I suppose, as you'd like because you'll get the final word on the pod after this. Here we go. Mississippi State. 
6-1 win over Florida State. Florida State bounces back. 4-3 win over Alabama. Baylor, 4-3 over Arizona State. Interesting lineup there. Florida, 5-2 over SMU. First match victory for Adam Steinberg in his tenure there. Worth noting, we saw Trevor Svida debut at the number one spot. Above Adam Neff Svida, a straight set win over freshman Aiden Kim, who a debuted at the number one spot above his fellow freshman, Jeremy Jin. Jin, of course, got the win over Adam Neff there. Other matches worth noting, just because we're going to know them when we come down to the NCAA criteria later in the year. Oklahoma State, drop a doubles point, 4-2 win over Middle Tennessee. Great start for a veteran lace team in Stillwater. Middle Tennessee bounces back, though. 6-1 win over Arkansas. Louisville, 4-3 win over Northwestern, clinched at the number two spot. Memphis, 4-0 win over Northwestern. They also beat Harvard this week, looking like they're going to be a top 30 team per use. You mentioned the Big Ten being on the wrong side here, the two results you were referring to. Notre Dame, 5-2 over Wisconsin, and then the heartbreaker, DePaul, 4-3 over Wisconsin as well. Tough weekend for the Badgers. There's a lot there, Chris. Final thoughts belong to you as we wrap our week two recap. Wow, yeah, running through them real quick. I mean, Mississippi State looked great in the win. That's a close 6-1. Don't look at that 6-1 and go, wow, every single match on that board was tight and could have gone either way. Florida State, uh, they, they get the bounce back. Just that I think that region's fascinating to me because you talk about it. Arizona State goes four three uh, with Baylor. Their their big recruit, big signee, late signee, and Bohr uh, at two loses uh, for Arizona State, and they don't win the match. If he wins, they probably win the match. I think that's a sneaky team there with Murphy at one, Bohr at two. Now McKinnon playing really well at three, picked up a win over Keegan Smith here at Indian Wells, making main draw. Um, Big picture storylines. Yeah, I talked about it. The Big Ten outside of the the you know what I'll call probably the the likely top four in Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, not looking great. Not a lot of points to be passed around. The SEC coming out of this weekend looking really good in a conference that we didn't see prior to the South Carolina win. We didn't see a, you know a top five ish necessarily top four type you know we had a a clear top four contender if you will just a lot of teams probably fighting for a lower end top eight seed host and all of a sudden boy they get all kinds of points to pass around as they do every year when South Carolina wins Mississippi State beat you know wins Florida gets the win just all lots of things going right there uh and then, as you mentioned, Middle Tennessee, they're there. They're in there every year. All new faces this year. Jimmy does his thing. He goes out and gets the recruits, and they are looking good. That's a big win for them over an Arkansas team on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, a lot of interesting matches coming up here kickoff weekend. The most fascinating lineup I mean, there's probably Ohio State and Texas are the tier one version of this, but tier two is Florida. You know, Jen Magnus Johnson played six this past weekend. Like, that's a guy who's had real success in college tennis, and Coach Steinberg is already so confident in his uh, freshman. They are a sneaky good SEC Uh, Again, it's fascinating. Teams and jump, people are going to go, what, Florida? I mean, yeah, you got Jen, you got Kim, you got Gannison, you got – Johnson, you you know, you got Nate Bonetto still. Ah, uh, you got Nirendorn. I mean, there it's there's no lack of talent on the team. There, Nirendorn, oh no, 
Nurendorn 0-0 winner this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's fascinating. Just, again, how quick. But let me ask you this, by the way, because this was joked about in a group chat I'm in. You can imagine whom. People who are like, you got to coach college tennis one day. I was like, do you think I could get a job? Like, you don't get how this works. I was like, <laughs> I was like, we're at least 20 years away from me having the pedigree to where maybe I could call in a favor to get an interview to be like a third assistant. Um, anyways. They don't do those in D3, do they? <laughs> that's funny. Anyways, <laughs> here's the point I that was brought up. If I were to get into college coaching, would I be considered part of the Coach Steinberg tree? Like, whose tree would I fall under as a coaching tree of like, oh, this – because, you know, again, the background's a little bit different. Like, who do I fall under then? Your ex-coach, man. I mean, so are you going to say Josh Molino, my former yeah. – Tulsa? So that's the answer I would agree with as well. Like, I think that's where it would have to be. It's like I actually played for him. <laughs> Steiny and Sean would have an argument. Like, Sean is the one who maybe should be brought up in this conversation most because I've told this story before. But – Sean's the one who maybe it was the stench trickling down onto the courts while we were playing, but he was like, yo, who are you? Like, what's what's this vibe going on in this corner? Because <laughs> you guys are fun and, like, we should talk more. And I was like, oh, we're the club tennis team. And, again, from there, everything grew. There's a case to make it's the Steiny tree. I agree. It's definitely the Josh Molino tree. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I would respond to that first and foremost. But, you know, again, on Wikipedia, it might say both someday, Chris. I guess that's the future I want to brace you for. Who's Trevor under? I mean, because, like, technically it's the Matt Roberts tree. But, like, it's kind of the Tanner Stump tree. It's, it's the Tanner Stump tree. Yeah, okay, okay. I just agree. Uh, it, it starts with 30 Creedy. Tanner's the guy that pulled him in. So, yeah, uh, obviously uh, the Matt Roberts as well. But, uh, but yeah, that was the, that first, you know. The first in into it was with Tanner. So, yeah. uh, and, yeah, and then so. you've got the Ty Tucker rainforest, just where it's like, yeah, pick a route. Like it's everywhere, and you know, again, it's providing fifty percent of the oxygen to the college tennis world. Um, yeah, I'm gonna claim that one as well as we wrap week number two show here. Uh, again, so many good results across the board, and we haven't even hit the symbolic ceremonial start to the 2024 season, which, of course, is ITA kickoff weekend, which comes up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday across the college tennis world. We'll have coverage each of those days for you across both our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well as ESPN Plus. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content broadcasts possible. A shout out to you as well. Chris Halioris, week ahead, week behind, everything now rock and rolling, collegetennisranks.com, your place, one of the best resources we have in all of college tennis. With that said, Chris Halioris, I will see you again on Thursday. So for now, for my fantastic co-host, for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all on Thursday. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.